Praise God. Thank you for your giving uh, each and every week. You can give on your way out, on the phone app, online, at the kiosk. However, uh, we stopped taking up offerings during the COVID, and we'll continue to stop actually taking up an offering. We thank you for your continued support. It's a... Um, it's a weird world that we're living in right now. Church doesn't look the same. I talked a little bit about it last week. Uh, you people that come out, we're going to turn you into a little bit of a studio audience. So 11 o'clock, I think starting next week, we'll have a host and or a hostess in back that will kind of kick off the service for the online viewers, close the service for the online viewers. So I need you to aim in with me. Can you throw, throw me out an Amen. You're going you're gonna to aim in for those that are watching in their living room or their back deck or their sun porch or, you know, at a coffee shop. Uh, you're going to worship with them. They're going to feel that presence of God come right through their, their television. What a wonderful worship this morning. What a wonderful God that we serve. Amen? Uh, just God is so good. God is so cool. Just I can't. I can't get over it. These signs that we're talking about that Jesus continues to do, we'll talk about it, three signs today uh, in the scriptures that all happen within 24 hours. So we're, we're grouping them together, and, and we're, last week we talked about mercy, and the week before that we talked about grace, and we talked about worship, and the first week we talked about person over power, that knowing Jesus is, is the most powerful thing that you can know. This week we're going to talk about multiplication through discipleship. So God makes you a disciple so that he can multiply things through you, okay? And so he's, to do that, he's got to show his disciples some signs. Now, the signs benefit other people. So the, when God uses you, it always benefits other people, okay? He's using you, and the idea is not to hang on to what he wants to bless you with, but to, to kind of spread it out. We'll talk about that a little bit. We're going to go just to two verses, John 6, 14 and 15, when the people saw the sign. That's simia, again. That means uh, authentic, okay? That means uh, miracle. That means authorized. When, when, when the people saw the simia, the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force and make him king. Now, this is how we know Jesus is all God and all man, right? The humility that he walks with. A lot of people would say, yeah, they're going to make me king. I'm going to go ahead and be king. Jesus withdrew himself again to the mountain to be by himself. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that it is alive and it's alive in us. We thank you, Lord, that it's forceful. Father, Lord, that we learn how to worship through it. We learn how to speak through it. We learn how to call those things to it. We learn how to activate it. We learn how to be bold and be humble and meek at the same time. Walk with us, Father. Thank you, Lord, Father, Lord. Let the hearers hear your word today and become doers then upon it. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said amen. amen. So we're in John the 6th chapter. Three things, major things happen in John the 6th chapter. We'll go through them one by one. It'll be a little teachy. It'll be a little preachy. But you need to grab these things. So if you have a mobile device, if you have a pen and paper, if you're at home, grab a pen and paper. Because all of these signs happen within a 24-hour time frame. Probably, other than death, burial, and resurrection, the most impactful 24 hours possibly of Jesus' earthly ministry. Okay? At least during the time of his ministry. For, uh, 
between the birth and the death, burial, resurrection. Maybe the most impactful 24 hours of that whole time. And so the, the, there are stories that you know. There are stories that you have heard in Sunday school or in a Bible study or in children's church or you've heard preachers uh, speak about them on the radio or television or online. And the John the sixth chapter is full of this. And so we want to grab it. We want to take it and, and run with it. So the first one is the feeding of 5,000. Y'all have heard that, right? Jesus turns uh, two uh, fish and five loaves and feeds 5,000 men and women and children. So theologians tell us maybe somewhere between 15 and 20,000 people are being fed with these, with these fish. And the story goes kind of this way. So they were following Jesus, and he has them sit on a hillside. It must have been a big hillside, almost probably knowing Jesus and as smart as Jesus was. He probably used it as kind of an auditorium. And so they sat down, and he was speaking to them. And then the compassionate side of Jesus, said, hey, we need to feed these guys. Kind of like our heart with, with Haiti. And I'm not using that for this message. This message, is, it stands alone in the impact, hopefully, that it will have in your life. But God gives us compassion to do things, and, and uh, we, we need to, to walk them out. So Jesus sits them down, and uh, they're, they're sitting down, groups of 50 all over the hill, 20, 15, 20,000 people. And Jesus looks at Philip. And you know the scripture. It's in all four Gospels, by the way. One of the few stories that's in all four Gospels as far as Jesus's earthly ministry, not what he came to do, but just his ministry. And so on the, uh, Philip's walking by, Philip's one of his 12 apostles, and he says, Philip, uh, what do we have? What do you have? And now I, I, I know that Jesus is thinking a deeper thought. But I also wonder if Philip's not answering with a little bit more of an earthly mindset. You know, sometimes Jesus asks us a question and we, you know, we get a little bit maybe ticked off a little bit. It's like, I can, I can kind of see Philip, whether he says it or not, Philip's like, you told me to leave everything that I have to leave mom and dad, my wife, kids, whatever, to follow you. Jesus, I don't have anything. Jesus says, well, we need to feed these people. And Philip's like, and one of the gospels says, it would take 200 denarii or two-thirds of a, war of a year's wages to feed these 20,000 people. And I know what it takes to feed people. Janie will have people over at the house all the time. It's like, honey, this, that's really good, but mmm. We've got to peel back just a little bit. No, no, no. God will multiply. God will bless you. God will take care of it. And God always does. But it's like, gee, I can imagine Philip thinking very rational, very logistical, okay? If we went to the store, we don't have enough grocery carts. We don't, Galaxy don't have enough food. We don't have enough places to go. We can't, we can't even get it back here for 20,000 people. What are we going to do? Philip says, we don't have anything. And he says, Philip, what, Philip, what do you have? And the next thing he says is because he knew this would be a test. I'm going to test you. I think we have that on there too. If, we, if they show you, you might want to write it down. This will be a test. This is a test. See, when we recognize in our life that things come with a test, that it, it's okay for God to test us. Philip, what do you have? Well, Andrew comes by, and Andrew's kind of the, 
uh, the common sense one, apparently. And he says, well, hey, there's a, there's a young guy out here. He's got two fish and five loaves, but that's not nearly enough. And I, I think for a moment that Jesus, and I'll explain, Jesus maybe just rolled his eyes. Men, have your, has your wife ever rolled her eyes at you? It's kind of like, the, it's, <laughs> it's the eye roll, it's the sunken head, it's like, oh, come on, are you kidding me? How many times I got to tell you, you know, where that thing is, or where we're going to go, or don't you hear me, aren't you listening to me, when I say, I just told you we were going to do that, and then all of a sudden, they're not aiming at you on the front row, they're eye rolling you. It's, I think Jesus... <laughs> Maybe was eye rolling Peter and Andrew, and maybe more, or Philip, more so Philip than Andrew, because Andrew at least brought kind of a, a substance there. Now, hear me, because we've heard this story forever. We've listened it, I've preached it, we've studied it, we've had it in Sunday school. But Philip and, and Andrew, they're coming with kind of a result. And I think Jesus is saying, What do you have? Now, in all four Gospels, this story is preached in Luke and Matthew about three chapters before this story is preached in each of those Gospels. Jesus gives the apostles power to tread on serpents, to raise the dead, to heal the sick, to open blind eyes, to cause the lame to walk again, to be a blessing to the houses they walk into, to be a curse to the houses that won't accept them, to walk into towns and, and cause blessings to happen. And, and so then after the 12, he gives it to the 72 by 2. You know those stories. In fact, they get so excited when they come back to Jesus, they say, even the demons are subject to, you, to us according to your name. Remember those stories? And Jesus says, wait a second, don't get so excited about that. Be excited that your name's written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Philip, what do you have? Philip says, I don't have anything, okay? And Jesus is like, I gave you power three chapters ago to heal the sick. I've never retracted that power. I've never taken that power back. When I give you something, and John 1.12 says, as many that receive him to them, he gives them the right, the authority, the power power to become sons and daughters of the king. Philip, what do you have? <laughs> Philip, what do you have? I don't have anything. And I think sometimes we sit in our chairs or we sit in our home or we sit in our, our, our workplaces or we sit in our car and say, Lord, what, what's going on? And Jesus is knocking on our heart's door saying, what did I give you? I gave you power for healing. I gave you power for finances. I gave you power for resources. I gave you faith and hope and trust and belief. I gave you confidence in the king of kings. I gave those things to you. And we're looking at, I just have a couple fish. I have, I have a couple loaves. I, I, have a, I have a couple, a little bit of money in the bank. Or, I, or you know, I'm going to lose my job. Or, or I can't, I don't know if the kids are going to get saved. Or this, all these things. And all of a sudden, Jesus is saying, wait. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. What do you think? What do you think would have happened if Philip would have said, when Jesus said, what do you have? If Philip would have said, Master, I don't. I, I'm not sure I understand the question. And I, I, don't, I, I don't have anything, but I do have you. My faith is in you. 
you're going to figure this out. We're going to figure this out together. I think Jesus would have stood and give Philip a standing ovation just himself. said, you get it, son. That power that I gave you, it's never been taken away. It's never been retracted. The power that Jesus gives us today by the power of the Holy Spirit has never been taken back, church. We've been sitting on our hands way too long. The world is looking for what you have. The world is looking for what you have. You can, you can lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover. You can start to call blessings into your life. You can speak with the authority that God has given you. Call those things that aren't as though they were. This, this is a test. Back in the old day, the you know, television, this is a test, simply a test, 60 cents. This is a weather. I think God gives us some tests. What's he going to do with it? How's he gonna, how's they, how are they going to navigate this trial? How are they going to navigate? What, what's going to happen? Are they, are, they bold enough to, are they bold enough to feed, you know, 2,500 or, or, or 250 kids? Are they bold enough to feed 100 families? Are they bold enough to feed 500 kids? Are they bold enough to feed 500 families? Are they, are they bold enough to build two more places downtown? What, what is Grace Church ready to do? <laughs> well, I don't have anything. I, we, you know, we got... No, you have everything in Christ. <laughs> you, oh, I want you to get that. I want you to grab that. You have everything. And then Jesus gives them the, the process of blessing. He, in fact, three times in Scripture, Jesus does this, where he, he took the fish and the bread and he blessed it, okay? And then he, he, he took it, he blessed it, he broke it, he gave it away. And he did that three different times. First time is here, feeding the 5,000. Second time is the Last Supper. He took the bread, he, he took it, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples. And the third time is on the road of Emmaus, when their eyes were open and did not our hearts burn within us, the scripture says, when they were walking and, and Jesus was teaching Cleopas and the other disciple who's not named. Some theologians try to fit a name in there. It must to be this person. I think he's not named because you can put your name in there. And Jesus breaks the bread. So look at this. Write this down. He takes us and he blesses us. How many likes that? It's okay to raise your hand. I want to be blessed. I want to be blessed. But that's personal. Christ taking us and blessing us is personal. But breaking us and giving away, that's kingdom. That's kingdom mentality. That's kingdom mindset. That's what, that's what he needs to do for the kingdom. So he takes us and blesses us. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You made this work out. Now all of a sudden he wants to run us as a conduit. He wants to run us as a, he wants to run us so that we can do something for the kingdom. Now he breaks little pieces of us and he gives little parts of us away. And we don't understand why maybe we have to move 1,107 miles to pastor a church, but God knows. You don't understand why you had to leave family and move to Hickory. And you're thinking, why in the world are we here? God knows. And he takes us and he blesses us. And he breaks us and he gives us away. And we all say, what do we have? God, whatever we have, whatever we have is yours. Whatever it looks like, it's yours. All things are possible to him that believes. And when you believe that God can use you, he will. When you believe that God wants to work through you, he will. When you believe that God will work it out, he will. 
Jesus feeds the 5,000 with two fish and five loaves. We get it. I understand it. But I wonder if the deeper miracle here wasn't that he was trying to get Philip to understand the power that he gave him three chapters ago, that power he still have. When you gave your heart to the Lord, when you became a Christ follower, you got baptized with the Holy Spirit, you got stirred up, you start reading the Bible, that same power lies within you. You have to stir that gift again within you. You have to make sure that's stirred back up. You may have worked out 20 years ago. That was 20 years ago. You got to work out today. You may have read your Bible through. Man, 1980 was a good year. Read my Bible through the whole, the whole year. <laughs> well, praise God. We're in 2020. That's 40 years ago. You got, you got to read. Amen? You got to study. Show yourself approved unto God. A workman need not be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Why is that? Because power comes from the authority that you've gained by the written word of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Give it up for the Lord, because he's worthy to be praised. Praise God. Number two, Jesus walks on water. This is amazing feat. Jesus walks on water. He's, he's in the, hey, they, they went from feeding 5,000, and now all of a sudden he, he commands his disciples, the Bible says, get in the boat. In fact, I like the way the King James says it in Matthew. I think it's the 14th chapter. He commands them to get in the boat, go on to the other side. He sneaks away, John says, up to the mountain, and he's going to pray, and he's planning on praying all night long. The Bible says then it's the fourth watch of the night, which is about 3 o'clock in the morning. And by the way, that's mine and my wife's prayer time from 3 to 5 about three or four days a week. I was up this morning at three o'clock praying for this service for our youngest grandson who's, who's home ill. Janie was up praying. So we're, we're knowing that God answers prayer in the fourth watch. Jesus comes out, he sees a storm and these disciples, these burly men, six of whom are fishermen, four of them who are small business owners and fishermen, one's a tax collector, one's a religious zealot, one's a political zealot, this motley crew's together, they're on a boat Jesus put them in, and they're out on water, and it's rough water. I mean, it is rough water. And these guys are afraid. So I don't know what you're going through that maybe fears you, but it's okay to be afraid as long as you know who to take your fear to. As long as you know who to take your fear to. Don't, don't buy into the fact that I'm a lesser Christian because I'm a little bit hesitant or I'm a little bit afraid. It's okay as long as you say, God, I'm a little bit nervous about this, but I'm going to cast all my cares on you because I know you care for me. So those emotions are going to come. You don't have, God didn't make robots. You don't have to be, well, I'm not, I'm not supposed to think that way or believe that way. There's emotions that may come. These emotional men who spent time living with Jesus were afraid. And all of a sudden they looked up and there's a storm of all storms and they see a ghost. At least what they perceived was a ghost walking on water. Now, the, the, the theologians tell us that in Jesus' ministry, he did 37 miracles. I'm going to give you four miracles that they don't even explain. Or they don't even talk about, in my mind, that are miracles. One, Jesus was walking on water. I'd call that a miracle. I mean, I, I, I've tried it. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm just going to walk on water. No. I sink. I, Jesus walked out there. I, said, I want you to grasp it. This is the person who said he would partner with you. He's a water walker. I mean, there's no bounds in his life. Nothing controls him. He controls everything. Are you with me? That's a big deal. So then Peter says, no, that's not a ghost. That's, that's Jesus. Hey, Lord, bid me come. 
And so Jesus said, well, come on. <laughs> it's like, join the party. We're all walking. Now, here's the thing. There's 11 more guys in the boat that do not want Peter walking on water. They're like, no, don't, because why? That puts peer pressure on them. Stupid Peter gets out of the boat and walks on water. Man, alive. What's he going to do next? Right? And I think part of me thinks Peter's like just throwing it out to the Lord. Hey, you're walking on water. I can too. Not hoping that he does that. Like, have you ever prayed the prayer? Yeah, I'll go. And the Lord actually tells you to go? Like, oh, man. I did not want to go. I was just saying, it's like the person that said, hey, let's have lunch. But they don't ever mean to have lunch. Hey, we'll have lunch sometime. Yeah, yeah, we'll do it. 30 years later, when's that lunch going to be? Peter, don't, I don't know if he wants to go, but he gets out of the boat. He walks on water, miracle number two. And he takes his eyes off Jesus. We don't know if he took two steps, one step. We don't know if he walked halfway to Jesus, but he, Peter walked on water. We give Peter a lot of grief, but he walked on water, miracle number two, just in this sequence. That's after he fed 5,000 less than 12 hours ago. This is an amazing sign Jesus is giving his disciples. Well, Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus. He falls into the water. And Jesus, before he gets in the boat, hear me, before he gets in the boat, he picks up Peter. Now, in my mind, Peter looks like Popeye. I mean, he's got these big forearms. He's got these big biceps. He's got a bulging neck, scruffy beard. And Jesus just reaches down while he's standing on water, picks up Peter and puts him in the boat, miracle number three. Now, think about that, church. Have you ever, like, boated all day? Maybe you've been on the ocean or you've been on a big lake and the sun's beating on you and all these things. Or now the waves are real choppy and you can't hardly get through things. I mean, the boat's rocking. Jesus is standing there. That's what he will do in your storm as well. That's exactly what he will do in your storm as well. You're rocking. Your boats are rocking. You, you thought you could step out in faith. In fact, you tried it. It looks momentarily like your faith has failed. Jesus will be there with a hand while he stands on the moment of your trouble, and he'll pick you up, and he'll put you right back in the boat because he gives you power through faith for the storm of your life. I'll say that one more time because somebody needs to hear that. He will give you power for the faith of the storm that you have in your life. Whatever you're going through, he will activate that because he loves you. And then miracle number four, he calms the sea. He stops the storm. He says, peace be still. And it becomes, after those three miracles, this one almost becomes like, second. Like, oh, man, he just. Now, some people will say, well, he, he rebuked the storm. I think he did. And so he rebuked it. But he did not ever rebuke his father. Well, God does everything. God knows everything. No, when Adam and Eve fell, it started some natural occurrences, storms being one of them, cancer in good saints being one of them, different things that happened, bad things that happened to good people being some of those things. But those things happened. This is why God did not want Adam and Eve to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because he knew these things would happen. So the storm takes place. Yes, God knew there was a storm. Yes, originally God orchestrates all those things. I don't believe with anything in me that Jesus rebuked his father. He was rebuking a storm. He said, peace be still. The disciples then say, what manner of man is this? And the Bible says they began to worship him. So hear me on this and be, as I'm very clear. In just one second, in one moment's time, he took the warriors and made them worshipers. Hear me. That's important to know. Don't miss that. He takes those that have anxiety and he gives them peace. 
He takes those that operate in fear, and he gives them faith. He takes those that have depression, and he gives them joy. He takes those that, that are defeated, and he gives them victory in Jesus' name. Well, that's the Jesus that you serve. That's the God that's on your side. That's the one that you throw your hands up and say, Lord, I am yours. I am all yours. And what's the song say? And you are all mine. See, he, he's, he's walking on water. Yeah, it's a big deal. But the bigger deal was he took these, these, these little warriors and he made them powerful worshipers. And like I said a minute ago, out of Zephaniah, there's war in your worship. Mothers, there's war in your worship. There's war in your prayer. Fathers, there's war in your worship. Oh, it's not, it's not manly to, to sing. Oh, you should hear me on my, on my, on my lawnmower. J Janie tells me to calm down. I'm on a riding mower. The neighbors can hear you. I'm coming back from a run last night. She was in our piano room. She is she's singing. I said, man, you are sounding good. Oh, were you on the front porch? I said, no, I was on the street, and I heard you. <laughs> you sounded amazing. I said, oh, no. What are people going to think? The people all know. Those, those are the preachers. Listen, people need to know you're a Christ follower. And yes, yes. Hey, if you got a little worry on, just let Jesus turn that to worship. You got a little anxiety, just let Jesus turn that to peace. You got a little depression, just let Jesus turn that to joy. You feel like you're defeated, just stop right there. You know you're victorious in Christ Jesus. He's on your side. You're a child of the king. He loves you. He cares for you. Number three, then he says, I am the bread of life. Now, this is important because, again, this is just the next morning. Now, hear me. He fed them at evening time, and then he sent them on a boat, and then the fourth watch, he's walking on water. So the two major signs, and then the next day, the Bible says the next day, less than 24 hours later, he's saying, I'm the bread of life. You all followed Moses, and Moses had manna in the desert, but I am that bread. I'm that new man. And it's funny that he uses Moses in a couple different ways, because Moses was an excuse maker. Exodus, the third and fourth chapter, Moses has five excuses on why he can't go deliver the Israelites from Egypt. I can't do it, Lord. Well, what should I say? Who, who should I say told me? I am that I am has sent you. Now, when Jesus starts to say in John seven times, we'll go over it in a minute. Seven times in John, Jesus says, I am. He's that same I am all the way back in Exodus, the third chapter. He's still that I am today. He is still the great I am. He will still take you to wherever you need to go. He will still pick you up whenever you're down. He will still heal you. In fact, he chooses to use us to, have, to watch people get healed, set free, delivered, and become Christ followers. So Moses, and, I, and maybe, maybe you're here. I've certainly been here. I, who, who, who am I? Excuse number one. Well, what am I going to say? Who, who, who sent me? I'm not eloquent in speaking. Now, if you've watched us long or if you've been here long, you know I probably have the worst English of any preacher in the South. I say things that don't, like, that's not grammatically correct. I have great, well-meaning saints email me, tell me how I should punctuate things differently. I don't read them. <laughs> keep your English. Keep your grammar. <laughs> I just am who I am by the grace of God. That's what Paul said, right? I am who I am. And so... It may not come out great, but I'll tell you what, Moses didn't either, so I'm in good company. The thing is, though, we can all make excuses for not being used by God. 
But Jesus wipes all those excuses away, and he says these seven things, all in John. I am the bread of life. In other words, he's the new manna. I am the light of the world. In other words, he's going to allow you to see things the way it should be seen. We'll talk about more of that next week. I am the door of the sheep. In other words, he's the gatekeeper. He says, if you knock on the door, I will answer. I will be there. I will let you in. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He's my Jehovah Rohi and my Jehovah Jireh. He's my shepherd and my provider. He is my all in all. Jesus is that door. When we travel, it's, I, I, I like traveling, but I just love so much to get home. I love hitting the door opener and pulling in the garage. It's like, ah, oh, we're home. And when we're flying, I, we get to Gastonia, we go up 321. It's like, yeah, we're there. We're, I mean, we're close. One of these days, you're going to walk through the gates of heaven, and you're going to be home for good. You're going to be home for it. You're going to be in the home that was designed for you, that was made for you. Revelations 2.17 says you're going to be given a stone with a new name on it, a name nobody else has. No, this, this name hasn't been abused or used or ridiculed or put down or offended or hated. This stone has been one that's given to you by the provider of the King of kings and the Lord of all glory. You already have that stone. It just hasn't been presented yet. He's the door. Number four, I am the resurrection and the life. We celebrate that. Should celebrate it every day. We celebrate it every Easter. I am the good shepherd. I am the way the truth and the life. And he says, goes on to say, no man comes to me, but no man comes to the Father but by me. And then last but not least, I am the true vine. Come on back, worship team. When you're connected with Jesus, you can graft in a vine. You can heal it to the tree. You've been grafted in. You're part of the family. You're, you're one of his. You're, you're, you're a joint heir. You're a co-brother. You're, you're part of, you're part of uh, who Christ is in you. You're, you're, one of these, you're one of these things. So when we recognize in and of ourselves that maybe, I am, maybe I'm nothing, you're everything in Christ. You're everything. So let's go back to the original question. Philip, what do you have? He forgets the power. He forgets the authority. He forgets the right that he has. And sometimes, church, we're that way. You forget the power and the authority that God has granted you. Or the disciples, they go from worry to worship. They go from angst to peace. They go from defeat to, to victory. This is, this is God bailing you out, reaching down and picking you up and placing you in a boat. And then he makes this great statement the next day. I am the bread of life. And he talks about the sign that the Israelites had in the manna. He talks about the sign again then. It's the simia, this authority, this miracle. And what a great miracle it was. But Jesus is saying, listen, we don't need that anymore. <laughs> we need the bread of life. And maybe, maybe there's a few Moses out here. But this is why I can't live it. This is why I can't keep steady. This is why I can't do what I Maybe there's a few Phillips out there that say, well, I, I don't have anything. I don't know what I have to give. I, it's just not working for me. Or maybe there's a few Peters out there. You've tried, but in a worldly sense, you think you failed. But in a spiritual sense, Jesus has been there to pick you up. Stand with me right where you're at. If you're watching online, I want you to engage with us at the same time. If you're comfortable doing so, just raise your arms. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing another song. We'll close this thing. 
I want you to know that you are important to God. You are somebody. You are victorious in Christ Jesus. If that you don't have anything, you have everything in Christ, just give it over to him. It's not that you failed. Hey, we've all failed. The righteous man falls seven times, but gets up every time after. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name, I thank you for the authority, Lord, that you've given us as Christ followers, Lord, to watch sick people get healed. Father, Lord, to preach your word, to proclaim good news. I thank you, Lord, that you have bailed us out, Father, Lord, of a, of a failure in place, Lord, that wherever maybe we failed, you have it, Lord, you've picked us up, you've, you've gravitated us, you've called us, Father. I thank you, Lord, that you are the I am. You are the, you are the great vine, you are the bread of life, you are the great door, you are the great shepherd. Thank you, God, for those situations and those things. Now, in everybody's life here, Father, pray that you would present yourself as whatever they need. We call it done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship. God bless you.
God is good, isn't he? Amen. We serve a mighty God. That was a powerful message. I hope that she received it today. I love that part about when, when Peter steps out on the water. I was thinking about, uh, you said you tried it, right? So I didn't know if you tried it like at the beach or if you were in a boat when you tried it. But I was thinking, you know, it's not like uh, everybody was on the sand. And then Jesus is like, come on out here. And they just got to step into the water. And they're like, no, it's not working. I'm going to go back. You know, they were in a boat. And he just hops right on out. What a leap of faith. You know, that faith that, you, that we're talking about. And, and sometimes it's, it's like that today. So maybe God's calling you to take a leap of faith. Maybe he's saying, you know what? Surrender your whole life to me. Not just one part. Not just put your toes in and see if it works. But he's saying, get out of the boat. And he's saying, take that leap of faith. Trust me and I'll never let you down. And he'll grab you, you know, if we start to fall. But I just thought that was really cool. I'm going to go ahead and close us in a word of prayer right now. But if you're comfortable, I'd like you just to get in a posture of presenting yourself to God. To say, you know what, God? I'm going to take that leap of faith. Maybe that means raising your hands or bowing your head or just thinking in your heart, closing your eyes maybe. But why don't we just present ourselves to God and say, God, I'm taking that step of faith. Father, I thank you that you are so good that you, you gave it all for us. Lord, that as we today take that step of faith, Lord, we are giving it all to you. Lord, we're taking a step out. Lord, even if it, if it means do or die, God, like sink or swim, God, but we're living it all for you. And our faith is knowing that we can trust you, that you are a good God and you are trustworthy faithful to us. So Lord, I ask that you would just be with us this week, that you would bless each and every person, God, that's watching online, that's here in person. Lord, that you would protect us, that you'd go before us, that you'd anoint us and call us to do mighty things for your kingdom. We pray all in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.